Hi, I'm Mike Pickles, and you're listening to the Daily Deal Podcast. We hear about inspirational stories from folks like you and I. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Daily Deal Podcast with Mike Pickles. And today's guest is a very special guest. He's the author of his book, a best-selling memoir called The Wild Dogs. He'll talk to you about that in a second, how he wrote that book or how he, what that journey was all about. But please welcome Christos uh, Kalajiru, or a.k.a. Stosi. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing well. When you just, when you did the introduction for your podcast, it made me miss old Dutch dill pickle chips really bad. So if you want to send me a bag when this is over, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'd be delighted. Oh, thank you for, thank you for yeah. saying that. Thanks for having me, brother. You're most welcome. So we were talking just before I came live here, and you are currently uh, living where? I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. I just bought a house out here, uh, just on like the this kind of like the territory line of Las Vegas and a place called Summerlin, okay. which is like kind of like a suburb of Las Vegas. Right. But you're originally from uh, Alberta, Canada. I'm originally from Fort McMurray, Alberta. Oh, Fort McMurray. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I was born there. Okay. Yeah, and as you know, the listeners know will now know that I'm in Yellowknife, Canada. So you're not too far from us. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. I went. To, I went to school with some guys from Yellowknife. Good dudes. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But because you went to uh, a boarding school in Saskatchewan, right? I did. I went to the Athol Murray College in Notre Dame, also okay. known as ND. Um, most of the people that went there, all I mean, a lot from Saskatchewan, and then the schools about 45 minutes from Regina. But there were kids from all over the world, from Japan to Yellowknife to New York. It was it was right. a really special uh, uh, experience that I got to go through, like others. Okay, all right, Stosi. Wild Dogs. What was the journey to that book? Because it is a memoir. So why did you write that? I remember that a friend of mine, and I've said this so many times before, Eddie Gale, still one of my best buddies. Uh, we went to school together from grade nine to twelve, uh, with some bumps along the way. And I remember, you remember when you graduate, you do your, your, your they're called like grad write-ups, right? You do, right. and the thing is with us, <coughs> there was like 20 or 30 guys. I think we had the largest uh, return class, meaning the largest group from nine to 12. So all, we had so many stories together, right? So a lot of guys were like, oh, we don't want to put the same stories as this guy, read this guy so you could fill in as much as you could. And I remember Eddie said, we were all in a room together, like all the four years, and he said, oh, somebody should write a book. And it always stuck with me. And then years later, <clears throat> years later, I think the next year I wrote, um, I read a book called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell by a guy named Tucker Max, which was like a man literature book, just kind of his stories from college made me, you know, a lot of immaturity, but made me just piss myself laughing. And I was like, man, this guy wrote a book about this. I could write a book about my life. So I worked on it on and off for about, I would say 15 years, just working on it, shelving it, you know, life happened. And then the craziest thing was the actual individual that signed me to, to publish my book was the very guy that inspired me to actually write, which was Tucker Max. Oh, wow. And everybody at Scribe Media. So yeah, I just, 
you can't make the stuff like that up and it's just been wild and they've been incredible. Um, even still, like I communicate with, with that team and they've just been, been unbelievably helpful. Okay. So you had, cause you said it took about 15 years. So you just had pieces of stories and boxes here and there. And finally you decided to sit down and just put it together. Yeah. So I, everybody has their own process, but I wrote about, I would say about 85% of my book I wrote in my iPhone. So I would put it in my notes and I would email it to myself and then piece it back together. And the thing, what I realized was <clears throat> the more people I let that I went to school with, that I let look at it, they had their own variation of how something happened and it made it more confusing. And then you just kind of have peace with yourself and you say, Hey, this is how I remember it to the best of my ability or the best of my recollection. And and go from there because you just drive yourself crazy and you'll never get it finished. Yeah. So when you're writing, like, like you just said, that's, that's very interesting. When you wrote, you said, look, this is the way I recall it happening. Yeah. So when you're writing it, how did you sort of phrase or word that I'm going to have to buy your book, by the way, so I can find out what I'm, uh, the question. I'm asking. Yeah. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's in 190 Hudson news locations in train station and uh, train stations and airports around the United States which is just overwhelming to even say. I still can't believe it. Um, yeah, it's a best-selling memoir. Yeah, it hit Wall Street Journal USA Today, number one in Canada, and just continues to, to, to hit levels that I just, I'm going to be in Forbes magazine, I think next month. Just uh, getting, getting able to spread the message because um, all of the proceeds to my book, I don't take. It goes to, to the Mandy Schwartz Foundation. Uh, which is a girl that I went to school with and we'll get into that. But I think everybody has a, a, a book in them and it doesn't mean you need to publish it, but everybody, everybody has a story. It's how you tell the story. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how that started. Yeah. So um, back to that question though, like how did you word it so that, cause it's your story, it's your perspective, it's your, it's your memory, but how did you write it so that other people reading it, were, you know, aren't going to say, Hey man, I don't remember that way. Um. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't really give a shit if somebody remembered it the way I remembered it because yeah. I only disrespect and make fun of one person in my book. And if anyone's read it, they know that that's me myself because it's not, a, I don't think the book is about me. It's just my story of, right a, of a place that gave me so much in life and so many people that I went to school would give back to. And I think in the, in the to get back to what you were saying, in the beginning stages, when I was writing, it was vulgar. It was, you know, all this, like, whatever, right? I didn't, I didn't care. And then you get a little bit older and you mature as a person. And then you realize, hey, swearing in a book, to me, isn't overly authentic. I'm not authentic. It's not creative. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And I only, I only, you know, use the F word one time in my book. And that's to show the severity of the situation. So it was important to me that who, whomever buys the book, whether the kid is eight years old or it's a grown man or woman at 80, it's timeless how it's written. They can relate to it. And that was my goal. I don't know if it will stand the test of time, but it's been out under a year and it's, it's doing very well. And it just blows my mind that, that I'm, you know, we can, I've created the possibility of a profession in this, in this category. Yeah. Great answer. I love that answer. So you Thank mentioned you. in that answer, though, your foundation. So what's this foundation all about? So it's not, it's not my foundation, but Notre, the Athol Murray College of Notre Dame is, in fact, a registered charity. I didn't realize till years later when I went back there to try to get 
permission for my book, not knowing that you don't need permission to write a memoir, you, your own story, you're entitled to write whatever you see fit, etc. <clears throat> um, the Mandy Schwartz was a girl that I went to school with. She was always one year younger than me. After she graduated from Notre Dame, she went to Yale University. After two seasons with the Yale Bulldogs, which was their hockey team, mm -hmm. she started getting fatigued and they didn't really know why. And they thought that she had anemia, which I guess is like a common sleeping disorder. They got her tested. They found out that she had leukemia. So it was a, a what a lot of people don't know, but you can swab your cheek and get into a database and potentially save somebody's life if they find you that you're a match for somebody that has leukemia. So what we do now is <clears throat> we try to get more people to get into the database. There's a lot of charities out there and a lot of foundations that are doing good things, but this is one that's quite interesting because we're not asking people for their money. We're asking them for their time. And there, there's no, there's no you know, greater check that you can write than the gift of life. And you could literally save someone's life. Unfortunately, uh, Mandy passed away. Um, but in the efforts to find her a bone marrow match, there's been over 100 people or more. I don't have the, the statistics in front of me that are alive today because of those efforts. Wow, that's amazing. Not asking. I love that. Not asking for money, just asking for their time. Yeah, yeah. It's our most, you know, it's our most valuable commodity, um, I think, for, for anybody. That's the one thing that we can't get back. Yeah. Whether you're a billionaire or, or somebody that's on the poverty line, time is a, the, the most valuable thing we have. Agreed. Agreed. How long have you been involved with that charity or foundation? Since 2010. Okay. We've done some events um, in, on Mandy's old campus, which is New Haven, which is Yale. And every year, um, I, think the, I think it's the big six, don't quote me, but every school sees how many swabs that they can get. So how many people get involved in, in the database? Right. And every year, they, those, those amounts of people get compiled. You may or may not ever get a call, but if you do, someone on the other end of the phone is going to say, hey, you're a direct match for this person and you can save their life. It is the wildest thing to see. Um, there's a girl named Regan and a guy, I think his name is Mike. And, and Maddie's brother played for the St. Louis Blues oh. in the NHL. And they had a swabbing event at uh, Enterprise Center. And he's like, hey, that looks like it would be something pretty cool to do. Complete stranger. Nobody knew him. And he swabbed his cheek and he, be en he ended up becoming a direct match for Regan. Getting emotional thinking about it. And uh, she's alive now because of, of his swab. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. wild That's stuff. Insane. And a lot of, not a lot of people know, and even I didn't know until Mandy got sick, of how easy it is to, to get in, into the system. And this guy and girl that didn't know each other, are, they now keep in touch. They've done, they've done events together. I've met both of them. It's, it's incredible. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So. What happened, Stosi? that, uh, like, we don't like to lose our Alberta boys. So what are you doing in the States? What happened? What are you doing down How, there? You know what? When COVID, when COVID broke out, I was, I was going through a rough time specifically to focus because when the deal came with Scribe Media, I had to get this done, right? That you have, like, work blocks. So you're like, hey, week one, week two. And I just couldn't get a focus. So I first went out to Vancouver. When I was out there, got some rough news, um, and I was like, "Oh my!" Like I just, I couldn't, it couldn't get right. So then, I went, 
I used to come down here every winter. I used to stay at my buddy Chad's place. He used to play pro hockey in um, uh, out in Germany. And I used to live in his like condo or whatever in the winter times. Cause I have like, anyways, long story, but I have an issue with my legs. So then I was like, Oh, I've been to Vegas. I'll go back to Vegas. Came here, COVID got worse. And I just stayed. And then I applied to get residency. So now I actually can't leave the country. So I've, I've been here nearly two years. So okay. initially what got me to come here was to focus on, on my book. Okay. And it sounds like it's working out for you. Yeah. I love it. Just bought a house. Um, People have been great. I mean, I get this. I see my friends, I mean, more here than I would at home because they visit. Everybody wants to come to Vegas. And I've seen a part of the city that's not just day clubs and champagne, which is cool if that's what you're into. But I, I mean, there's just such a community yeah. out here. There's everything, and anything. there's arcades, there's whatever you want to do. It's been great. Yeah. All right. Without giving your book away, because I want people to buy it. Wild Dogs. Why the title? We had a meeting my grade grade nine year and I mean I went from being the youngest in a family that you know for some reason my mom just didn't allow sleepovers uh -huh. she's like you know like we just it's not something that we did and I never thought it was weird I was like whatever that's her rule I don't give a shit really to going to a private school where I'm now living in a dorm with with 45 to 60 kids so it was a huge change yeah so the reason we're like, oh, we're going to send my son to private schools, maybe get a better education because I struggled. I still struggle with education when I take courses or whatever. I just have like a harder time learning and focusing to that's how my parents looked at it to me. I was like, I'm having a sleepover with 50 of my buddies every day. This is unbelievable. So we got into a lot of a lot of shit my grade nine years all the time. And I remember we had a meeting one time. They put us in this like Marshall Center, like a common area. And our house parent who acts like your mother on duty, she said that you guys aren't hounds, you're just a bunch of wild dogs. And it always, it always stuck to me because, you know, the mission statement of a hound is to be somebody that goes out to society and is a stand-up character that isn't for sale. And here we are trashing our residents, just being just disrespectful young adolescent kids. So it always stuck with me when she said wild dogs and it, and it, and it stuck with me. So cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Flashing lights in my head of that will be the title. Yeah. Um, so did you, uh, I'm curious, because I wrote a couple books myself. So I'm just listening to you as, as a fellow author. Did you start with the title and go from there? No, the title came, the title came to me when I was nearly finished. And then we had actually, the team, let's scribe, we had actually, <clears throat> come up with a subtitle and it wasn't the one we picked. And then it just came to me one day, I woke up an adventure in adolescence. I was like, that's great. That's just sums up the whole story. And then I called them after it was finalized that the other one, I don't even remember what the other, uh, the other subtitle was, but when I told them that the table was like unanimous, like, Oh yeah, that's great. That's the one. So it just worked out. I got very lucky. Yeah. It sounds like it worked out for sure. So are you able to, again, because I don't want you to give away the book. I want people to buy it, support you. Um, are you able to share a couple of those wild dog stories? Sure, yeah. I mean, again, you know, I you know went there for a better education and ended up getting a, a character education. And it was a majority at the time. And I mean, in a lot of ways still is, is they, you know, they call it a hockey factory. We have nearly... 
uh, 200 NHL draft picks that have come out of my high school. And that will continue, obviously, as the school, you know, every every cycle year. And I know I could barely skate. It was it's not a good athlete. So I'm around, you know, as lippy as I was. I'm a, you know, scrawny, you know, sour bag of milk looking kid with glasses. And there's these kids that are 15, 16 years old with with full facial hair. So I learned very quickly, uh, you know, to respect the guys above me uh, without getting into too much detail. But yeah, I mean, just typical malarkey, I guess you'd say. And, um, you know, I would love people to read the stories, but mostly I was just trying to get what I, when you, when you're that age, what you, what you're trying to, what you think is important is getting respect from your peers. And I would do anything and everything to get the respect of the older guys. Cause I thought they were just so much cooler than me and probably, probably in a way still do. And I, I think that my journey is to getting that respect to it, getting over my head and how blessed and lucky I am that I got to go back and graduate. I do not want to give away what happened again. Right. I do want people to buy it. It's, it's not for self gain and there's a bigger picture and that message is as it being the most important in the book is the first page of the book of, of where the money goes and why. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So yeah. before, I, before I forget, Stosi, how do people get a hold of you? If somebody wants to get a hold of you for your charity, your foundation, the book itself. So the foundation isn't mine. They can go to onematch.org. They can Google Manny Schwartz. Um, wilddogs.com is the website, I believe. I got I to look into it. I, I try, I'll be honest with you, Mike, I, I stay away from all that stuff. And I just want to focus on what I'm doing now. And uh, Instagram is Stosi187. If anybody wants to get me on their podcast or interviews, et cetera. But it's, uh, it's wild that I don't, at the time, like have like a lot of media presence, but still there's major outlets that are able to get a hold of me, which is scary in its, in its own sense. But it's for a good cause. So I don't look too far into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you on Facebook too? I am not. I'm on LinkedIn. Again, when I say I'm on, I got to be honest with any listener is that I don't, that these accounts have been set up for me because people need to reach me, but I don't run them. But my Instagram is STOSY187. And we're working on, they're doing something with it right now. So we're, we're working on that. But any people, I'll, I'll have somebody check it every so often. But um, there's, um, if, they, if they just put in Wild Dogs Adventure and Adolescence on Google or Amazon, there's, there's ways to reach me. And, and we will certainly get back to people. And TGC is the, is the media company that represents me. And uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie, Lauren, and John Michael, they've all been uh, just great there. So, Okay, good. Now you mentioned in your 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 story there about the uh, when you were in boarding school that maybe athletics or sports wasn't your thing. So besides writing, which obviously you're good at, what what's your thing? What do you do? So I went, I do import export for a living. So you know my family we own like gas stations, convenience stores, all source products from, you know Cambodia, China, India, wherever. I was always really interested in where things come from, from a young age or how things work. And, and then that naturally got me into to doing import export. I have a, anyone that really knows me knows I have a passion for candy. I don't really consume a lot of it, but I like that industry. It's the only industry since the great depression that's never gone down in global sales. Very interesting stuff. I worked in the liquor industry for eight years for my family and that's a very limited industry because your demographic in Canada, I mean, the U S is 21, but is between the ages of 18 to hundred candies, six months old 
all the way to whenever. There are certain religions that don't consume alcohol. That's fine. But with candy, everybody has candy in their in their culture, in their in their foundation of a civilization. So very in, interesting um, industry. Um, yeah. Just a regular wow. dude. I like nine bot scooters, traveling, visiting my friends. Wow. I never thought of that. I, I, I would have thought that uh, alcohol would outperform candy, but the way you explained it, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like having a glass of wine is cool, but I, I in that industry, I saw an unfortunate thing happen that <clears throat> I felt like I was a drug dealer in a way. And if you're depressed, you drink. If you're happy, you drink. If you celebrate, you drink. And it's like, this is something like, you know, why did alcohol get a pass? This is something that I've seen like destroy people. And I've also seen it, you know, people have met their wife going out to a bar and having a drink. And it's become so social. <clears throat> I, I saw certain customers and not all, but I saw certain customers like they'd come in with their wife, they'd get a bottle of wine. And then the next day it's two bottles and three bottles. And me being a natural salesman, as people will read about in my book, because my start in alcohol did not start with my family. And, and you'll read about that in my book. It grew. The number of alcohol I was selling was growing. And it was having, you know, first you'd see a couple come in together. Then they were getting one bottle and four balls. Now they're coming in separately. Now they're coming with other people. Now they're, they're telling me they're getting divorced. And it's like, okay, that may have happened with or without the sale, but I would never know. So eventually I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I understand. And, that. and then I and then I took a, like a, confe a residence course in confectionery. Yeah. And none of this is in my book, by the way, but it's just like a personal journey of. I mean, if anybody out there is doing something that they don't feel good about, stop. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. There's never been more opportunities in the world than there is right now. Do whatever you want. And I just love candy. I love seeing the joy on people's face when they come in and and they just see all these options and yeah that's so very honorable cool. of you when you saw in your liquor industry what it was doing to people and you just backed out and went to something else i think i got burnt out i was doing it for quite some time we did very well there we still have the stores and we've met great people and like like i said like i, I think for some reason i was highlighted on on the, the the destruction that I saw in some people that were probably most likely dealing with that prior to me even being in that industry but I didn't like what I saw I've never been a confrontational person I've never I just didn't like it and I and I told my family and they understood they were like yeah well it's it's you do I don't think I don't care who you are you do nearly a decade of any industry you're going to question if this is what you want to do and I just didn't want to do it anymore Good for you. Good for you. So you didn't want to do it anymore. So what's next for Stosi? Are you writing another book? Are you going to something else? Yeah, I'm working with a guy right now. We're just in talks that they want. Uh, I think he wants me to do two books. One, they want to talk about, you know, me after I graduated. You know, I have a pretty wild story with that. And then the other one, I kind of get to pick uh, whatever I want to write about. And I think I would like to write it about the candy industry. So what I do now is I typically for gas stations, but I set up um, candy elements inside gas stations. So anybody that wants to add like a candy section, I help consult them on that, which has been really cool. I don't get a lot of jobs. And when I do, it's like probably like a pretty big one. And in talks to either turn my memoir into a movie or a, a series, 
which has been, again, another thing that I, I, I have blinders on and I let the professionals that I work with deal with that. But I've always wanted to, even before I started writing, I had a movie in mind. And that movie was, was Rob Reiner's Stand By Me. That was the first movie, you know, I saw that when I was, I think, too young to understand what it meant. But it was the first movie, I watched it by myself, um, that made me laugh, cry, you know, just like, just ripped my heart out and uh, jumped out of the screen and grabbed me. And I don't think there's a lot of films that we watch in our life that do that. And that one certainly did. So I've said repeatedly, if Netflix gave me over a million and Rob Reiner had, you know, 400,000 before tax, which isn't even enough to make a movie, I would, I would 1000% go with Rob Reiner. Cause I like just absolutely idolize the stuff that he's done. Yeah. Um, Stand by me. What a classic movie that was. Yeah. So absolutely, if they could, I'd watch it. If they could convert Wild Dogs into something like Stand By Me, definitely, I think you'd have a lineup of people watching that movie. Yeah, I think I think it will come. I think, you know, to set a realistic goal, I think within the next two years, we'll have something on paper. I'm working on the audiobook right now. I don't want to give away the name because we haven't finalized it yet. But somebody that I think is, is the future of, of this business that may do the audiobook for wild dogs. And I just would be over the moon. And in under a year, what's already happened with this and the opportunities that have come that we couldn't possibly cover in one session that have come my way is just mind blowing. And I'm just so blessed to be in this uh, situation. Yeah. You sound very blessed. I mean, your book, audiobook, a consultant, potentially a movie. There's a lot going on. You've done well. Yeah, trying to trying to itemize things and, and not think about them too much. I think that people get stressed out because they start to think about everything at one time. I'm just doing it, you know, one thing at a time. And I'm renovating my house at the same time. And, you know, I met my roommate, Gus the Mouse, yesterday. I'm like, oh, great. I, I'm sure I'm going to run into the rest of his family at some point. Gus the Mouse? Yeah, I, I, there was a mouse. Like, <laughs> I haven't had, like, the pool my, in my back in the backyard. Yeah, I haven't like maintained it since the gentleman that moved out of the home. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, fuck it. I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. And then I saw like, <laughs> like a mouse, like looking in the water. I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like, this is all I need now. And I don't want to like kill the little guy. But like, I need to, you know, you can't live here, buddy. You're not paying rent, you know? You gotta <laughs> well, get going. Definitely, definitely when you see one, there's, there's a few hiding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he looked, he looked healthy. He looked fed. So I'm like, this guy's not going anywhere. He, he yeah. likes his setup. And right yeah. now it's more his house than mine. So. Wow. You could write a kid's book on that. Gus the mouse. Gus. I think, I think one of the mice from Cinderella, the cartoon whose name was Gus. So every time I see a mouse, I think Gus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you plan on writing any different books? Like I just mentioned a child's book. Are you, you prefer your lane where you are right now? No, I wouldn't say that. I think I've always had a, an interest in this industry. And one thing anybody like listening is I think the message is so important, but I had to sit down and I'm not going to with just with non-disclosures, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I had a meeting with some people that were willing to make me an offer to take the rights to my book to, to do whatever they wanted. And a lot of people don't understand is let's say you have a book and you sell the rights yeah, they could shelf your project and it could never see the light of day, which is not what I want because this is not money driven. So they're like, you know, we're going to take it and, and we're going to do the best we can. And we have our own script writers. I'm like, no, fuck that. I, I want to write script. And they said, well, what do you know about script writing for a movie? 
And I said, what the hell do I know about books? Yeah. So how are you going to learn if, if I don't do it myself? I didn't, my book is mine. Anyone that reads it, it knows me. Those are my words. This is not ghostwritten. Very hard to do this way. And no disrespect to anybody that's written a book with help. It's a very complicated process, as you know. But no one is going to write my story. Nobody else is going to know what's best for my story. So to anybody thinking about writing is stick to your guns and don't let anybody tell you shit because they don't know better than you. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And look at you. I mean, you're successful. You did Thank what you. people maybe said that you can't do and you're proving them wrong. I think that it it's, you know, life is a marathon, except you don't finish. You just, every time you pass a checkpoint, you should be making two more. And I don't think goals are meant to achieve. They're meant to have that when you die, you have a whole list of them that you didn't. And there's yeah. something that you're striving for. Always wanted to, but you get, you know, you be careful what you wish for. Not that it's a bad thing, but I was like, oh, I want to write a book to make my friends laugh. Now it's like, you have a career in this or you, you don't. And I have a problem. It's like, oh, what do I want to do? <clears throat> and I've always loved this, loved to have people make, not just make people laugh, but have people make me laugh. It's like the most, like, it's just such a good feeling to laugh. And now it's like, there's some serious talks in the laugh industry. Yeah. And you have to separate the two. And I'm learning a lot. It's, it can be intimidating, but I don't think basics ever change in a negotiation. If you stay sharp and have the right people around you, you'll, you'll get what, not what you're, not what you want. You'll get what's right. Cause there right. is a difference, right? It's not yeah. what I want. If, if this gets into a movie, it has to be right for my school. It has to be right for Mandy's foundation and it has to be right for me last, I think. Absolutely. So that's some great wisdom that you share with us right there, but any final last words that you want to say to our listeners or your future readers out there or anything in general i appreciate your purchase but even if you don't want to buy the book look up mandy in google it's mandy schwartz m-a-n-d-i s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z find a way to get involved if you purchase my book great if not that is what's most important is to see how people can get involved in this all right, there you go, folks. Today's guest, Christos Kalogiru, or Stacy, or Stosi, or Stos. Nailed it, every one of them. Very smooth. All the above. <laughs> so his timeless, best-selling memoir, Adventures, I would say, in Adolescence or Character Education, I suggest, I highly recommend, I will, uh, Wild Dogs, please buy it, please buy it, please buy it, you know, um, support you. him, but also read that message that he's trying to share. So Stosi, or Stos. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, be sure to subscribe and share with your family and friends. And remember, you may be given a cactus in life, but you don't have to sit on it. <laughs>